Welcome back, everyone. It's Straight Up Sports Talk here with another Monday Mayhem episode. What a Monday it is. Uh, we've got a lot of, of news to talk about today, both college uh, football and basketball front, the NFL. Uh, what a great uh, NFL weekend it was, Sam, this weekend. I, I thought we had some great games, uh, some great finishes. The Cardinals uh, beating the uh, the Bills on a last-second Hail Mary by Kyler Murray. Um but Sam, I just how how was your weekend, and uh, how was uh, how was the NFL Sunday for you? Uh, it was solid. I had some work, unfortunately, I had to do, so I went back and forth between um, college and then schoolwork and football and schoolwork. So I, it was it was pretty solid from the games I watched. I didn't get a watch. Um, hold up, hold up. I got a. Sam's taking a phone call in, okay, the, in the middle of the podcast. Sorry. <laughs> Sam's getting a call Sorry. from his agent in the middle of the podcast. Yep. So, so but back on the point, I thought it was a really fun weekend. We saw IU get it done. We saw Notre Dame get it done. It was just an overall solid weekend. I, I somehow like I somehow like it better when the Colts don't play on Sunday. I mean, the Colts already played on Thursday. They got the wins. So they're already feeling good about the weekend. And then you just roll into the NFL Sunday that has the Masters for starters and, and then uh, you finish it off with some NFL. Dustin Johnson winning the Masters his first time. Um, I, I just love the Masters, Sam. I know you're not a big golf guy, but the Masters is just iconic uh, sporting event to me. I love enjoy watching it every year. And now, and now, um, we get the Masters again in five months. So yeah, solid. It'll, it'll be a solid time. Uh, let, let's get to some, some news, some breaking news that we had this morning, Sam. Um, the NCAA is uh, considering and is actually in the preliminary stages of getting the March Madness 68-team NCAA tournament to be held in a bubble in Indianapolis. Um, I think it's a great idea. I think it's great for the city. Um, but uh, what, what were your reactions when you saw this this morning come across your news feed? I think I had mixed reactions. I think it's definitely solid anytime you get a recognition to the city that not a lot of people think of besides hosting, like having the NCAA government like office within it, like is really solid. But I think if, I, I don't know if they said whether they're fans or not, I don't want to imagine there would be considering it's basically a bubble or whatnot. Like it'll bring people in like i'm sure hotels will go up food will grow but i don't think it would be as big of an impact as if people could come from every state and kind of not only experience the games but the downtown area like it's still it's still going to bring in a like nice boost to the economy but i don't think it would be as big as if everyone could come to watch the actual games i agree with that um I, th- I think we could get to a point. I mean, this is not happening until April. I think, you know, if they do decide to go ahead and do this in a bubble, I think we could get to a point by then to where they could figure out how to have at least a few fans there like they're doing. I mean, they're already doing it for the Colts games um, and, and things of that nature. So I think they could figure it out how to get fans there. Um, but like you said, it wouldn't be everybody coming into the city. I, I love the idea. It will it would showcase the city, uh, the city of Indianapolis and Marion County really could use this opportunity to showcase what is in Indy. I mean, you could have games at Lucas Oil, at Bankers Life Fieldhouse, at Hinkle Fieldhouse, at the State Fairgrounds. And, Worthen. Uh, and, and, yeah, even up here in Muncie at Worthen Arena. You, you could have games all over that, that showcase the state, uh, which I th- would think would be really cool rather than just cr- crashing down on Lucas Oil Stadium for the Final Four. The Final Four was supposed to be held here this year, 
uh, this upcoming year in 2021, but obviously uh, hopefully that still will happen. But a, a whole bubble here I think would just be awesome to see. Um, I, I think it would be great for the city, like you mentioned, but if they could figure out a way to have fans, that would be even better. Yeah, I, and it, it kind of makes sense considering we're having the Final Four here. Our whole slogan is like, we grow basketball here. This is a basketball state. Everybody knows from the Hoosiers to the, the movie, the Hoosiers, like Indiana's a basketball state. So I think this is a smart move by the NCAA. I want to see how they implement moving forward, what kind of protocols go into it, and kind of get more information. And maybe by then, but I saw recently that they're shutting down in Marion County, my high school, to go back online with all the elementary schools with the spike in um, COVID cases. So at this point, I'm trying to be optimistic, but it's not looking good for the the uh, fans to attend so far. No, it's not. Um, cities are starting to take more restrictions in. But we're only nine days from the scheduled start of the NCAA basketball season, which I think is just amazing and, and phenomenal. And, and I, I can't wait to see uh, this upcoming season for for the uh, for the NCAA basketball, especially you know up here at Ball State, we're big. Uh, Ball State Cardinals fans, I think they're going to have a good season. I think IU and Purdue will be set up for successes this season. So I, I'm ready for college basketball to get here in the first place. Let's just start the season. Yeah, I am too. I, I think this is going to be a really exciting year for Ball State. If you don't know, Ball State's laying two different transfers, not or three. One's a walk-on, two from like Creighton, and I forget the other dude's name. They got a guy from overseas. So Ball State's basketball looking really promising this year. They haven't released an official schedule on BallStateSports.com, so we cannot confirm. There is a schedule list on Google, which is weird, which is kind of off with their first game being listed at Indiana State in three days, but unless, to my knowledge, that's happening, I don't think it is. So we just have to wait and see, really, what the plan is for Ball State moving forward. Yeah, I know they have a conference schedule ready to go that starts in the beginning of January, but uh, the non-conference, I'm not sure what they're waiting on with that. Uh, let's get into some college football from over the weekend, Sam. Uh, we continue. We, I feel like we sit here every Monday and talk about how good IU is, but um, you know, with great reason we do. They they take down Michigan, um, Michigan State, twenty four to nothing on Saturday, and really, yeah, the offense is good, but the defense really stood out to, for me in this game. Obviously, uh, holding Michigan State to no points, but the defense overall has just been playing pretty well this year, and it's kind of been overshadowed, in my opinion, by this offense. Yeah, I, I do think so with the emergence of Michael Penix. He's definitely been able to – he's definitely overshadowed the defense at times, and that's no that's no fault of his own than just being able to produce the numbers he did. Now, he didn't have the best game by any metric, two picks against Michigan State, which you don't want to see heading into a week against Ohio State the uh, on the 21st. But I think this was a solid win, solid foot forward. Again, we we haven't really seen Indiana be, been put up to a test besides that week one against Penn State. But even Penn State's proven that they're really lackluster this year. So what is that really a good win at the end of the day this year? I'm not talking about in the legacy of IU because obviously being Penn State is huge any year. But considering the context that Penn State is at right now, it's not looking too good when they beat Rutgers, who's all right. Michigan, who doesn't look that great to begin with, and Michigan State as well. It's going to be real tough 
to play Ohio State, who even though they haven't had a tough test either, it's Ohio State. You know they're going to bring it week in and week out, and it doesn't really matter. And they didn't play last week either. Yeah. So, yeah, you bring up the Penn State win is not looking as good as it did at the time, but it's still a win against a top-10 team. Uh, You've beaten two ranked teams this year. Um, and now you go into Ohio State, which uh, we'll talk more about this on Friday, but I think it's going to be a pretty good game. ESPN and all the bookmakers uh, don't give IU a standing chance. Um, Ohio State opened up as a three-touchdown favorite over Indiana, which I found very surprising. And I found very surprising not only because, well, IU is ranked the number nine team in the nation is 4-0, but IU normally plays Ohio State Pretty well. I mean, it's normally a 14-point game uh, when you look back at, at the the uh, the series over the years. So that that kind of surprised me a little bit to see uh, to see IU open up as a 21-point underdog at Ohio State. Yes, last year they pummeled us 51 to 10, but I just found that kind of disrespectful to, to IU. I, I do too. I, I think I think even like Bowling Green is getting like twenty four and a half versus Kent State. So to say it's that kind of level, I think is a little bit of exaggeration. But we will just have to see. Maybe maybe the bookmakers are right, and Ohio State will just come out just slaughter them. I'm not saying that's gonna happen. I'm not saying that looks like the possibility. But hey, who knows? They they have a bunch of models and analytics and whatnot to tell them what to put. So I don't know. I'm just excited to see the game. Indiana has been in top. This is probably their first top ten in what twenty plus years at this it's point. It's their first ever top ten matchup. First for a ever top program. ten win. Like it's it's this is this game is huge for the program, not only for uh, possibility of making the college football playoff, but for moving forward. Knowing you beat Ohio State, who who knows when's the last time you beat Ohio State? Let alone at Ohio State, who's a top three team in the nation and at this point if you beat Ohio State I know you still got Wisconsin left on the Maryland left Purdue left and whoever you play in the Big Ten Championship game list looks surprisingly as North it looks like it's probably gonna be Northwestern at this point like do you do you start signaling college football playoff you can't leave it out of you can't leave it out of the discussion they got to handle business at Ohio State this weekend because if they do win, that will essentially, barring any uh, detrimental fallout of the last three games, that will essentially win them the Big Ten East, which would give them a ticket to the Big Ten Championship game. Now, there is still a chance that they could play in the Big Ten Championship game if Ohio State wins. See, that's where this whole scenario thing comes in. If IU is to lose on Saturday, win the rest of their games, and, and go 7-1, uh, and one, and Ohio State finishes at seven and zero. Who gets in? Because Ohio State didn't play last week against Maryland because of COVID. So who gets in at that point? That is, I still think it would be Ohio State because Ohio State mm-hmm. did beat Indiana. But that's where this whole scenario thing with COVID and them not making up games comes and makes a big, uh, big uh, implications when you talk about cha- conference championship games. Yeah, and like I think it would be Ohio State. Let like. Take out the the win against Indiana for a situation. Let's say they didn't play him. It would be Ohio State just because of win percentage at the end of the day. Like um, it was just announced yesterday that the Miami Ohio game against Ohio would be canceled. Sort of Mac news, and that's gonna mess things up. Let's say Miami Ohio just somehow comes out of the woodwork and competes for the the Mac East title again. 
that's going to mess things up because they're playing one less game. But if they only have one loss on the, the conference schedule so far, like, do you, do you give it to them over a two-loss two team who's played two more games or one more game? I, I don't think so. Yeah, I, I don't I don't think so either. It's going to be interesting to see how these conference handles these. And, and, and I'm sure they've already got some situations in place. They haven't really announced anything. But if you go off winning percentage, and they said they don't, you know, the Mac only has to, you only have to win three games to or, or play three games to be considered. So if you go 3-0 and and then you don't play the rest of the time, and there's a team that's sitting there at 5-1, and one, you're really going to let the 3-0 team in over, I don't know. It's mm-hmm. going to be situational. It's going to have to, to play out over the next few weeks that will follow. Uh, Sam, how bad is Penn State? Like, how bad are they? It it's bad. Like on my other podcast, I was talking to it to him off air because he's a Penn State alum of the Max Sports Bandwagon podcast, and like he he like we were texting off air, and he was basically summing it up. It's basically like the 2018 Akron team, which if you don't know, is just to sum it up pretty bad. And they benched their quarterback. I know they've had like two running backs out for the season. They've lost to Nebraska, lost to Maryland. Like there's there's nothing more bad that I think can happen for this team. I think this is just a really tough year for James Franklin with everything going on and whatnot. Like he he deserves some slack for how he's brought this program up, and I think this is the year to do it. This year. It, besides teams that are competing for a Big Ten title don't really matter. So you're just trying to get wins. You're just trying to at least, like, get your players to stay motivated and to get out there on the field. And he said, uh, my my uh, buddy said that he, James Franklin is just not keeping this team together. Yeah, it doesn't appear so. I mean, Rutgers is ahead of them in the Big East standings, mm-hmm. which is something that I never thought I would see uh, in my uh, lifetime as a uh, Big Ten football follower. Yeah, they got Iowa next week. We'll see if they can get their, their first win of the season. Um, let's see uh, what, what else we have from this weekend. Notre Dame, they trampled Boston College 45-31. to I'll tell you what, Ian Book, has, his draft stock is going up as the season goes on. I think not being compared to Trevor Lawrence every week because he was out for the past two weeks, playing really well these past couple weeks, I think uh, Ian Book's draft stock continues to go up and uh, he's going to be right up there with Trevor Lawrence. Ooh, I, I don't know if he's going to be up there with Trevor Lawrence. Even even um, Mac Jones and one on, despite how good he is, is not up to the Trevor Lawrence or the uh, or Kyle Trask or the or the Justin Fields. They're not up to the Trevor Lawrence. I think Trevor Lawrence is just on his own pedestal. Sure, Ian Book is upgrading his stock. I get where you're saying, and he's definitely rising up some people's draft boards. But I don't I don't think he's a guy who is just going to be a first-round pick necessarily. When you look at the pattern of Notre Dame quarterbacks, they just don't translate well to the NFL. Like, you think back to the Jimmy Clausen days, the Brandon Wimbushes, like, they they just don't they just don't end up working out in the NFL. You have to go back all the way to probably um, Joe Montana for it to, like, um, actually translate it to a well. But what I'm more excited about is this matchup against UNC. I know... People around around me aren't exactly high on the Tar Heels this year. They've had some bad losses, whether it's the uh, Virginia or Florida State game. But I think Mac Brown, what he's doing with this program since uh, retiring and coming back from retirement, they're six and two on the season. I like this North Carolina team. It's at a home game. I'm, I'm I think I think Notre Dame should should be more worried about UNC versus Boston College, honestly. 
Yeah, I think North Carolina will play them well, and that's this weekend. Um, so we'll, we'll see how that plays out. But, yeah, like you mentioned, I think North Carolina is a little bit better than they're getting credit for. They had a rough start to the season, um, but I think they'll, they'll kind of turn it around here um, towards the end of the season. I think it, it'll be a good game against Notre Dame. Uh, Wisconsin, they bully Michigan 49-11. to Is Jim Har- like What does Jim Harbaugh's job security look like right about now? I, I don't know because I can't talk to the athletic director. I, I think it's got to be, if not, very, very toasty. Like, I don't know how else to describe it. When you can't, when you can't deliver, Jim Harbaugh know, knew going into the shop that he had to do uh, two things. Compete, obviously, but also beat Ohio State, and he has not been able to deliver on that to this point. And he's not even, and he's not even delivering on that first thing, which is competing. Michigan, after that uh, solid Minnesota win, which doesn't look so solid anymore after going one three on the season, they're they're second to last on the Big Ten East. You just you just don't expect that out of Michigan football ever. There's a tradition there. There's a, a level of expectations that you're expected to deliver on. And losing by a, a solid Wisconsin team who got back Graham Mertz, who's definitely going to be solid moving forward as a true freshman, who's shown in the two games that he's really good. It's just not it's just not Michigan football at the end of the day. And unless he somehow can miraculously get that win out of Ohio State. I don't know if you're the athletic director or the board of trustees sitting there at the end of the year wanting to keep Jim Harbaugh around. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do. But I think with the next two years, Jim Harbaugh could be coaching an NFL team again and not be in college football. Um, Because I I think, yeah, like you said, Michigan, the board of trustees, athletic department is going to get, you know, just fed up with, 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 not 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 performing. And they've had good seasons. Don't get me wrong. They have, but like you said, they can't beat Ohio State. They can't get to the Big Ten championship game, which has hurt them and um, and definitely hurt Jim Harbaugh. Uh, more news on the college football front. Uh, Northwestern, like you mentioned a little bit earlier, they're playing really well. Peyton Ramsey uh, continuing to dominate Purdue, even at Northwestern. He took down the Boilermakers uh, as their Northwestern starting quarterback this weekend. Uh, Northwestern looking very good on the season. You know, a couple years ago they sucked because they had uh, all young guys, but now those guys are all seniors, and and, and the Wildcats are, are looking pretty good here. Yeah, I think it would be fitting if uh, I was thinking about it, just as you mentioned, Payne, I forgot Peyton Ramsey was the Northwestern quarter, or quarterback. If I, you could find some way to reach the Big Ten Championship in Northwestern as well and have that kind of uh, Payton Ramsey versus Michael Penix uh, storyline because I think that's what you need. We're kind of stale. We're kind of I lay at least for me. I'm kind of tired of just seeing Ohio State get it every year. Like it's fun to watch them in the playoff. It's fun to watch Justin Fields, but to see see two different teams where you have a guy who's basically ousted by his younger, I would say higher higher ceiling quarterback in Michael Penix, them go on at it. The resurgence of Northwestern under Peyton Ramsey. I think that would be. A, a super fun Big Ten championship to watch. It might not be as exciting as watching Ohio State play any team, but I think that would be a really fun uh, Big Ten championship to watch if it did turn out that way. It would be. It would be fitting for 2020, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, to have IU and Northwestern play to the Big Ten championship game, I think would be pretty cool to watch. You know, like you mentioned, Peyton Ramsey playing against his former team in Indiana. So, uh, we'll wait and see how that folds out and just uh, continue to monitor that. I think it's going to be an interesting finish to the Big Ten season, to say the least, 
uh, coming for this season. We had a great weekend in the NFL, Sam. We learned you know, a lot more about a lot of different teams. The Colts winning on Thursday was a big win. Uh, we didn't really get to talk about that in our weekend prep episode. Uh, but the Colts' defense, I thought, played really, really well on Thursday and, and really showed what they can do um, and really showed how this Colts team uh, is, is winning this year. I also, I also not only like the defense, I like the flexibility we have with the running game. Not only do we have Jonathan Taylor if need be, but we've got Hines stepping up. we got Wilkins stepping up. So I, I not only do I appreciate the, the defense stepping up, like you mentioned, they're certainly turning out to be a top defense in the NFL, but I also like the offensive flexibility we have, even with just uncertainty uh, who's going to catch the ball, whether it's Michael Pittman, Hines, Hilton, Pascal, like The running game, I think, is going to be key to moving forward and to know we not only have one guy, we have three. I think that makes me even more confident. I'm not saying Phillip Rivers' ability, but at least this offense moving forward. Yeah, I think you know we gained a little bit more confidence, like you said, in that running game and in that offense, really, on Thursday. Now you welcome in the Packers next week, and we'll talk more about this on Friday, but uh, I think this could be a really good game. I think you know the Packers have shown some of their weaknesses. They, they only beat uh, the Jaguars by four on Sunday. So I think this could be a really good game for the Colts and a pivotal game uh, right in the middle of the season. I will say, though, it seems like every time the Packers have a down week, whether it's the Vikings in week one, they then went on to beat the Packers by 21. They lost the Buccaneers by 28. They beat the Texans by 15. Uh, uh, I don't know what week that is, November 1st. The Vikings beat the Packers, and then they went on to beat the 49ers by 17. So is this one of those weeks where the Packers just bounce back like they've done time and time again against a Colts team, which has which the defense should be able to hold up? I think Devontae Adams should be able to play, even though he did suffer an injury. I think he later came back in the game. So it's going to be a real fun game to watch. I hope the Packers don't just don't um, act like they have in the past, like I mentioned with their bounce-back wins, because I think that this is a game the Colts really need to win to prove themselves. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, this will be the first time, really, that the Packers are playing a real real good defense. I mean, the Bucks, sure, uh, but honestly, uh, they've kind of done what they want offensively with every other team, so... This will be a big test for, for Aaron Rodgers and the Packers to see what they can do um, and, and really their first test against a really good defense. I also I think this is also key because I was looking at the playoff race even earlier, and since the uh, Thursday game, it knocked the Titans right out of the playoffs. They're at the ninth seed. They were originally the fourth with the Colts, and with the, the playoffs being really tight in the AFC, which we haven't really seen in years with the Raiders 6-3, Dolphins six and three, Ravens six and three, Browns six and three, and Titans six and three. Every game matters at this point, and obviously we know every game matters. But when you're getting to teams with playoff hopes and aspirations from the Titans up, you got to make every game count. And as hard as the Colts' uh, schedule was, going to the Ra- playing the Ravens, then the Titans, then the, the Packers, then the Titans again, you've got to get get it done because at the end of the day. You, you lose one or two more games and potentially you're just out of the playoffs. And it, it's unfortunate as it is, but that's the reality of this uh, 2020 season. Yeah, uh, that is a reality. And if the Colts can beat the Titans again in two weeks, that would really solidify the Colts winning the AFC South. 
uh, unless they just have a debacle at the end of the season and, and get blown out or, or lose to the Texans two times and the Jags, the Colts would essentially win the AFC South with the winning against the Titans and secure them a home playoff game. So uh, those are big implications as well. And then, of course, you really need a win against the Packers to, to give your offense and defense some more confidence on the season. It'll be fun to watch the Colts uh, this weekend. Some other games from around the league, uh, like we mentioned, the Packers 24-20 over the Jags. They looked terrible, but they still won. Um, and, you know, that's kind of the theme of, of being a really good football team. Even on your bad days, you still win. Uh, I've been impressed with the play of Danny Dimes lately in the New York Giants. They take down the Eagles by 10-27-17, and don't take the Giants out of the NFC East race quite just quite yet. I do think this whole NFC situation, I'm going to be honest, I think it's a joke. I don't think that any team any team that is basically on track to finish with, let's be honest, I don't think we can see any team going above seven wins at this point from the NFC East. Is not only getting into the playoffs, but hosting a division playoff game. And for as good as Danny Dimes has played, as you mentioned, which I'll definitely agree with, I do not want to see the Giants at 7-9 and hosting a playoff game. Like I feel like that's just disrespectful. Like we mentioned, the AFC East is literally there's so many teams fighting for a 6-3 and playoff team, and there's probably a team that's not going to make it with 9-7. and And you're going to let a team that's 7-9 and who's basically got by by beating its division rivals in? Like It, it just doesn't feel right to me. No, I, I think... Yeah, you, you, we should look at. Should we just re- we'll look at like re- reassigning the divisions and you know make uh, make the NFC East mix up the teams a little bit. I've always thought that'd be interesting to you know kind of get somebody in and shuffle around the divisions. Mm-hmm. Maybe make some AFC teams NFC teams and vice versa. I think that would be fun to to see and maybe mix this up a little bit because I mean we do have the divisions, with the exception of the NFC East, I think are pretty balanced. Um, comparatively, if you take them over a five-year span, I think they're pretty balanced um, at this point. But yeah, like you said, does a team that really you know loses their first five games to begin the season can somehow make the playoffs? I just don't think that 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 should be a thing. Yeah, and and I think it is. I I will disagree that I I, I think it's balanced. I think it's just balanced towards the bottom. Like like you mentioned, there's not really like top heavy teams like the NFC West. I think the point is what you're going for, but it's it's balanced to the point where no team can really stand out in the division. And I think the I think it would be fun to switch up the divisions. And I agree with your point that we need to potentially switch up the NFC East, but. I mean, I think the NFL just loves it because every year you know that at least one division is coming down to that Week 17 game, even if it's at a 7-8-9 win season. Yeah, it'll be interesting to watch, see how that NFC East plays out. Because the Giants could essentially, I mean, they got the Bengals next week, then the Seahawks, and then the Cardinals, the Browns. If you could find a way to win two of those games, you could still be in the conversation for the NFC East, which is just absolutely crazy. Uh, some other games from around the league. The Bucks roll the Panthers. It was a must-win situation there for them. The Seahawks lost to the Rams, Sam. And, and the Seahawks have now lost their last two straight and three of their last four. I think Russell Wilson, you've been high on him for MVP, but I think he lost that race uh, this week. It, it hurt him last week to lose, but losing again this week, 
I think he, he lost the race for MVP, and I don't think he'll be uh, considered unless something miraculous happens here at the back half of the season. Yeah, it's unfortunate. I don't know what's really gone wrong with him. I think it's just the matter of fact that Russell Wilson tried his best to just create out of a bad situation with a bad offensive line, and it just really has gotten to him the past few weeks. I don't know whether the offensive play calling has kind of switched or whatnot, but it just seems like Russell Wilson just doesn't have the same energy to him, doesn't have the same just like swagger to him. It doesn't seem like this offense has has been able to um, take – the Russell Wilson doesn't seem like he's been able to kind of carry this terrible offensive line on the back. Maybe it has something to do with Chris Carson not really being available in the past, which let's be honest, DJ Dallas is suitable, but it's not what you want if you want to go far in the East – or the uh, the playoffs moving forward. Chris Carson, I think, is supposed to come back this Thursday against the Cardinals, which will definitely, I think, be a big boost to the Seahawks. But it just seems like Russell Wilson, this offense, just like the past few weeks, just haven't been able to figure it out. Yeah, I agree. Um, they haven't really, uh, you know, played up to the caliber that, that they've been able to this season. It's really hurt them. The Rams, though, have looked pretty good over the past couple of weeks. It'll be interesting to see how they play out. The Saints make it six in a row for Drew Brees and company. Now there is question. Drew Brees is undergoing x-rays and MRIs today over some rib injuries, so that could be um, not so good for Drew Brees and the Saints. But the Saints roll the 49ers 27-13. They, they won with Jameis Winston. Yeah. That's kind of unheard of, honestly. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's it's not the most surprising thing coming out of 2020, but it's definitely surprising. I thought James Winston, considering he just got put in essentially no warning or whatever, did a pretty solid job. He got the job done at the end of the day. It'll be it'll be seen after a week of preparation how he does against a, um, I believe Falcons team who has been struggling at times. I'm not a big believer in Jameis Winston, but if he can, if he can, someone get it done for whatever timetable Drew Brees is out, even if if he even is out for next week, I think he could potentially have his uh, free agency stock increase like it did Teddy Bridgewater. That's exactly what I was thinking. He could have a Teddy Bridgewater situation if Drew Brees has to be sidelined for three weeks, and Jameis Winston could go in there and be three and zero. I think that would be uh, say huge things about Jameis Winston, and like you said. A potential to get signed by another team next year because he's only on a one-year deal with the Saints here. Um, the Steelers win again, 36-10. to So how realistic is it at this point for the Steelers to not lose another game? It's tough because I think I think what's different about winning, winning when you're undefeated is everybody's coming to take you down. And I think that's a pressure. It's not only the pressure you're hearing from the media and when are you guys going to go undefeated and whatnot. That's not the only pressure you have to face. Even the, like, the Jaguars who have been taking you, the Washington, everyone's going to give you your best at the end of the day because you're undefeated. And you want to be the one team that's, that beat the undefeated team to take them down. So it's going to be really tough. I know they have the Jaguars next week, which should be a winnable game. But then you got the Ravens who have been struggling. The, the Steelers have somewhat of a favorable schedule to get it done. But it's going to be a lot of pressure to overcome. And not only this... You then have to win the remaining games in the playoffs, including the Sioux Rule, which even the um, 2007 Patriots couldn't get done. Yeah, that's exactly right. It, it, when you're undefeated, I don't know. 
uh, what your idea or theory on this is, Sam. But if you're undefeated in the NFL, you almost kind of want to lose one game in the regular season. Just so you know how it feels, how your players are going to take it, and you can adjust. You, you can uh, adjust it and make the adjustments necessary and, and get ready for the playoffs. Because I, I, I do think in some ways losing can help teams, especially in the NFL. It definitely can because you kind of learn your weaknesses. You kind of go moving forward, as you said, like what you need to do moving forward. And I think that's a beneficial of losing at least a couple games, one to two. You need that kind of uh, ego kick to where you're just not all high and mighty. Like we've seen with the the Ravens at times where they they looked absolutely dominant. And then when it came to the Titans, they just – they just didn't come to perform, and the Titans took advantage of it. I don't think the Ravens realized what their weaknesses were. They just thought that it was just going to be fine. They were going to ride straight into the Super Bowl and potentially win one, but that's not the case. And I think a loss, as bad as you don't want to lose in the NFL, you kind of do to just like get get kind of be even better than you are now. Yeah, for sure. Uh, looking, I mean, looking ahead, uh, their toughest. Uh, tests are looking like they play the Jags next week, then they play the Ravens, uh, the Bills in mid-December, and then the Colts. Those are looking like they're real uh, big uh, tests. So we'll see how how uh, Big Ben and the Steelers can can respond. But Mike Tomlin, by the way, uh, 14 straight seasons as the Pittsburgh head coach, no losing seasons. And, uh, you know, Mike Tomlin slowly becoming one of the greatest coaches of all time. Mm-hmm. No doubt. No disagreements here. That's going to be about wrapping up our NFL conversation. I mean, Kyler Murray with that Hail Mary there at the end of the Cardinals-Bills game was just amazing uh, to see him not only throw that because, I mean, essentially Kyler Murray is known as a running quarterback, but but he he heaves that Hail Mary, and DeAndre Hopkins goes up and makes an absolute grab. What an ending. I don't know if you got to saw that ending mm-hmm. sequence where the Bills go down and score and then the Cardinals go down to score there uh, to win the game with like two seconds left. It was just an amazing ending to an NFL game. Yeah, that was uh, one of the few games I got caught towards the end. And what amazed me more was not only that play, which you got to give credit to D-Hop, which uh, his comments after the game were pretty funny. If you haven't uh, looked it up, it's pretty funny. He he says they're in perfect position, but I was just better, essentially. It was it was funny to me. But they, ha- they started the drive with, I think, like 16 seconds left. And not only to put yourself in the position that you can, I get the Bills were uh, let it, kind of playing prevent defense, but you see what playing prevent defense gets you essentially. You had three people on D Hop, and he still he made an amazing play. You can't disagree that he didn't push off. He he just went up and got it at the end of the day. So I think what was more impressive was Kyler Murray's ability to not only get the ball to D Hop at the end, but get the drive going to where he could put himself in a position to win. Well, he even, you know, he should have been sacked on that play, too. Mm-hmm. The Bills almost sacked him. It was just an amazing play. And then the football decision to take the knee and not kick the extra point to to fear a blocked um, a blocked kick and a return for two points uh, was just an amazing uh, football decision there by Cliff Kingsbury. Uh, I don't know if you caught it in a Sunday night game, Sam, but th- that game was an absolute monsoon. Mm-hmm. Did you see that? I mean, that that was the that was the a game where the, the rain has come down harder than I've ever seen it come down in an NFL game. And I think what we also saw it is the ball. Like I I I was watching Baltimore's offense just confused. 
they just couldn't get anything going. Like, whether it's, it just seemed like Lamar Jackson was not only hesitant, he even, even to run at times. Like, I remember the commentator speaking where it was one-on-one with the defender and he decided to throw it and it ended up incomplete. And he was like, you have space, you're one-on-one. Like, he should have easily taken it. It just seemed like Lamar Jackson on this offense, just for whatever reason, the Patriots found a way to just kind of get in his head. They, they just haven't looked the same this season. Yeah, it did look like Lamar was in that whole offense was a little frazzled. Uh, and it could have been the weather, it, it, you know, and it could have been, you know, the Patriots uh, defense that was playing pretty well on Sunday night. But, yeah, that, that was an interesting game to watch, especially with that rain coming down there towards the end. It got pretty bad. Uh, Sam, you got anything else you want to mention before we head out uh, this afternoon? I think I got to mention Tua again. Like, the the amount the, the Dolphins are playing is just befuddling. I don't understand how they're getting it done. This is currently five five straight wins they're on to teams like the Cardinals and the Rams and the 49ers. So they're not just beating teams like the Jets and the Chargers. They're also beating notable teams too. And when you look at Broncos, Jets, Bengals, their next three games, like it's it's hard not to put the Dolphins in the playoff race. And considering I believe I can look at the playoff uh, standings real fast, they are just inside the playoffs at six. So I'm not really sure why the Dolphins are doing as good as they are, but they've turned it around in a bigger, in a major way, and they're they're doing good things in Miami. Yeah, they can definitely still win their division. I mean, the Bills currently that lead that division with seven wins, but uh, you know it's definitely not out of the picture. It'd be, be fun to watch Miami these last couple of weeks, uh, last uh, the back half of the season with Tua. I think you know he is playing very very well. Yeah, no doubt. I'm I'm there with you. I think. I think uh, we were criticizing Brian Flores' decision to put him in over Ryan Fitzpatrick like five weeks ago or or two weeks ago, whatever the case is. But he stuck to his guns. Credit to Brian Flores. It's paid off in a major way. The defense has looked amazing. I don't think I would ever say the Dolphins would have a top defense in the league basically ever, especially after they traded Minka Fitzpatrick, one of their cornerstones and studs on the defensive side but they've turned it around dolphins look hot right now they're pretty scary right now and i don't know who i would be more terrified to play right now the dolphins or the sealers to be honest yeah it it would uh yeah i agree with you there i think both teams are are at their highest points right now um and continuing to get higher uh and it'll be fun to watch the season progress don't forget to follow us on twitter straight up sports talk on twitter Find our latest episodes and much, much more on that Twitter page. Uh, Follow us there if you haven't already. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll be back on Friday for weekend prep. uh, Weekend uh, before Thanksgiving week, so it'll be fun uh, to kind of look ahead to the weekend in sports, um, as well as some Thanksgiving Day games. We'll come back on Friday. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll talk to you next time.